Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times Sports Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes. To keep in touch with us, use our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which are all at Q and Review. That's C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Or get in touch via information at qandreview.com. That's information at c-u-e-a-n-d-r-e-v-i-e-w.com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback. Evening Times Sport, June 6. Athletics. Elish McCoggan beats Mum Liz's Scottish 10,000 metres record. Elish McCoggan beat her mother Liz's Scottish record with victory in the 10,000 metres at the World Athletics Continental Tour Gold Meeting in Hengelo on Monday. The 31-year-old defied wind and rain at the Dutch venue to finish ahead of world record holder Letizenbet Gidi of Ethiopia in a time of 30 minutes, 19.02 seconds. Liz McCoggan, a former world champion and Olympic silver medalist, who is now her daughter's coach, ran the previous Scottish best of 30.57.07 at the same venue 31 years ago. Now only Paula Radcliffe, with 30.01.09, has gone faster from the United Kingdom. McCoggan told WorldAthletics.org, I set out with the intention to chase the British record. It was a lot tougher than I imagined. Still, it's a personal best and a Scottish record, my mum's record, which she set here. She'll be happy for me. She's my coach. The event doubled up as a World Championships trial for the Ethiopian team. Gede, whose world-leading time of 29 minutes 01.03, also came at Hengelo last year, finished second in 30, 44.27. Fellow Ethiopian, Edgeye T was third in 30.44.68. Almaz Ayana, the 2016 Olympic champion and former world record holder, was seventh. Report by PA. Evening Times Sport, June 7. Dustin Johnson's PGA U-turn Leaves global men's game in sorry state, says Nick Roger. You may have noticed the other week that a breakfast show on the telly wheeled out good old Jimmy Tarbuck for his insight, expertise and hard-hitting analysis on the treatment of Liverpool supporters at the Champions League final on the basis that he is a scouser. With this spectacularly tenuous rationale in mind, I'm now expecting to see Tarby voicing his opinion on this week's highly contentious LIV Golf Invitational on the flimsy basis 
that he used to play in pro-celebrity events and would guffaw himself hoarse as little Ronnie Corbett sized up a seven iron to the third while chortling a cheery anecdote about standing next to Shaken Stevens in the BBC urinals. The shake-up of men's professional golf, meanwhile, continues, and after all the parrying, jousting, toing, throwing, speculation, rumour, controversy and legal threats, the multi-million dollar Saudi-backed LIV golf thingamajig will finally become a reality in the golfing paradise of Hemel Hempstead. That it has got to this stage has perhaps surprised many sceptics. It wasn't that long ago, after all, that the game's leading lights were resolutely nailing their colours to the mast of the status quo and stating their loyalty to the established tours in a rousing show of collective support. Rory McIlroy, meanwhile, had suggested the whole LIV golf rebellion, spearheaded by Greg Norman, was dead in the water. Well, here we are, in early June, and the rebels have emerged. When Dustin Johnson confirmed that he would be playing at the Centurion Club this week, not long after initially declaring his commitment to the PGA Tour, the gasp of widespread astonishment just about whipped up a tsunami in the mid-Atlantic. Ultimately, he decided it was in his and his family's best interest to pursue it, said Johnson's manager, as he explained the former Masters champion's decision to chomp on the Saudi Public Investment Fund carrot. Johnson has earned upwards of $70 million from the game down the years. One cannot imagine his family are living in penury. Listening to multi-millionaire golfers almost pleading poverty, while us mere mortals look anxiously at the thermostat and nibble on raw turnips washed down with a ladleful of our own tears during a cost-of-living crisis, is quite preposterous. The manner of Johnson's commitment to the LIV cause, meanwhile, was all rather unedifying. His sponsor, RBC, the main backer of this week's Canadian Open on the PGA Tour, seemed to be completely blindsided by his decision, and the company swiftly cut ties with both Johnson and Graeme McDowell, who is also heading to the Centurion Club. It was a monumental slap in the face to RBC from two major champions. Johnson's own face was splattered all over the promotional bits and bobs for the Canadian showpiece. It was a classless move from the former number one, who wept when he won the Masters, but has shown that personal enrichment matters more than major wins, his reputation and any golfing legacy. Be prepared for the usual tiresome growing the game soundbites in the build-up to this LIV golf opener and some squirming interviews in which various players attempt to justify their decision to jump into bed with the Saudis 
in the same awkward way you see mealy-mouthed Tory MPs attempting to justify what the actual point of Boris Johnson is. The golfing Johnson, who apparently was offered upwards of $100 million just to sign up for this whole Saudi cash grab, and others, are set to earn astronomical sums from a series of events that really have no competitive validity. Kevin Nah, a player so slow his clubs actually gather a light dusting of Stewart during his pre-shot routine, made the unprecedented move of resigning from the PGA Tour at the weekend in order to join the LIV golf gravy train. He may be a relative non-entity, but his was a highly significant decision, and one which may yet be mirrored by others. The fair on offer this week will see a variety of veterans, Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, Sergio Garcia et al, doing battle with a few decent amateurs and some rank-and-file pros who have struggled to make any real headway on the professional stage. Chase Kopka, the brother of multiple major champion Brooks, is a lowly 1,562 on the world rankings. Even if he finishes last in this week's 48-man field, Kopka would earn £120,000, which is more than he has made in any year since he turned pro, except 2017 when he racked up about $140,000. You can see why players in the toiling classes of the pro scene would be wooed by the quite staggering finances available. As for the future of the professional game in the upper echelons, who knows? Will the PGA Tour carry out its threat to suspend players who compete at the Centurion Club? And will the top brass, who run the four major championships, then follow suit with similar disciplinary actions? In this $25 million, 54-hole, no-cut bonanza, the winning shot could come on the 6th, the 12th, the 17th, or any other green due to the shotgun format. It's a messy element to proceedings rather like the mess the global men's game find itself in, says Nick Roger. Evening Times Sport, June 7. Now it's over to Celtic, says Martin O'Neill. Report by James Kearney. Martin O'Neill was left impressed as Rangers made it all the way to last month's Europa League final. And with group stage Champions League football guaranteed at Celtic next season, he believes his old club must now follow suit and leave their mark on Europe. Giovanni van Bronckhorst's men punched above their weight on the continent last term, picking up some notable scalps on their way to an agonising penalty shootout defeat at the hands of Eintracht Frankfurt in Seville. It was the same city where O'Neill suffered European heartache during his stint as Parkhead manager all those years ago. Back then, money was flowing into the game, 
as the two halves of the old firm vied for supremacy on an annual basis, constantly driving up each other's standards through relentless competition. Reflecting on Rangers' run to the final of Europe's secondary club competition, O'Neill sees shades of the way Scottish football used to be. After seeing the Govan outfit going up against some of the continent's biggest hitters and leaving them with a bloody nose, the 70-year-old reckons it is now Celtic's turn to pick up the baton and perform well on Europe's biggest stage, particularly that the perilous qualifying rounds no longer have to be navigated for the Scottish champions. There has been an upsurge in the Scottish game with Celtic winning the league and Rangers getting to the Europa League final, O'Neill observed. European football matters a good deal, obviously. You look at the Champions League, but you look at the Rangers' run. People sat up and took notice, especially the Dortmund win, and now it's over to Celtic. They go straight into the Champions League group stages. When was the last time a Scottish side did that? 2008. Did I help my successor, Gordon Strachan, get there? I don't think he ever thanked me. It's huge. I think that is the biggest thing. Not having to play teams you would beat in October, but have difficulty in the third week in July. Those games used to annoy the heck out of me. Going to Lithuania or something, those games really concerned me. People would say, Ach, you'll win this easily. No, you had two weeks training and you're straight in. Going straight in is a huge boost for Celtic. Your whole outlook changes. You're not under pressure in pre-season. You are ready to go. It's fantastic. Avoiding potentially hazardous qualifiers is one clear benefit of Scotland's improved European coefficient. But there are other tangible benefits that accompany Celtic's return to the Champions League proper. Being a well-supported club with a seat at Europe's top table makes signing for the team a far more attractive prospect. Higher salaries can be dished out to more talented players and the result, O'Neill says, is that Celtic will find it a little easier recruiting players in the summer transfer market. He explained, is it a big selling point? Absolutely. The club, and the same goes for Rangers, is the star and is its own selling point. But going straight into the Champions League is another story. If I'm a player applying my trade in the Dutch league, for example, which is very strong, but if the chance to get into Celtic and straight into the Champions League, it, that would be something to really think about. That's where you boost your own image if you do well enough. It's an easier task to recruit when you have that. For all that supporters have enjoyed Ange Postecoglou's revolution at Celtic Park thus far, there is one notable black mark against the Greek Australian's name. Europe. 
It is not an uncommon problem for those who occupy the Parkhead hot seat. The Glasgow club were knocked out of the Champions League qualifiers at the first time of asking, as they were defeated by Mitchelland before a third-place finish in a difficult Europa League group saw them drop into the Conference League, where Norwegian champions Bodo Glimt comfortably triumphed over the two legs in the first knockout round. It means that O'Neill remains the last man to win a European knockout tie as Celtic manager, excluding qualifiers. The one nothing aggregate victory over Barcelona in the UEFA Cup in March 2004 was the last occasion where the Parkhead outfit defeated a continental foe over two legs and O'Neill accepts that improvement is required on this front. The former Republic of Ireland manager understands that Postecoglou opted to focus on domestic matters last season, but now that reporter, but now that supporters have seen what the team are capable of, O'Neill insists the club's ambitions must grow to match the fans' expectations. That might mean swinging the axe and bringing in new recruits. But as the recent decisions to release long-serving midfield duo Nerbitten and Tom Rudgic have shown, Postecoglou isn't afraid to shy away from the big decisions. He said, I think after the start last season, the manager had to almost disregard Europe and concentrate on the league. That's what he did, and now the expectation is higher. They are in the Champions League, and of course there will be great nights. But they have to address European football now and compete. Celtic's results in recent years have not been good enough. I just hope he doesn't phone me for any advice. I think he'll know that himself, and it's about trying to get a better player for that level. Obviously, he'll show loyalty to the ones who got them there, but in his own mind, he'll be thinking about carrying it further. I think he'd be trying to strengthen the side to compete in Europe. Report by James Kearney Evening Time Sport, June 7 Rangers reveal record season ticket sales Report by Chris Jack Rangers have revealed record season ticket sales ahead of the new campaign after 45,000 supporters renewed their seats ahead of the Ibrox deadline. Fans had until this week to secure their briefs for the 2022-23 term as the Giovanni van Bronckhorst side aim to win back the Premiership title at the first time of asking. The Scottish Cup holders also have Champions League success in their sights ahead of their return to training and friendly action in the coming weeks. A club statement read, Rangers would today like to put on record their sincere thanks to the club's supporters with over 45,000 season tickets renewed by today's deadline. It is another incredible show of strength from our fans 
who have cemented Ibrox as one of Europe's most iconic sporting venues with a series of atmospheres that undoubtedly assisted in carrying Gio van Bronckhorst's side all the way to the UEFA Europa League final. That figure of over 45,000 represents a new record at the renewal date, with the manager and his players once again able to count on your unmatched backing when the new season gets underway. Subject to availability, supporters who have requested a seat transfer will have their request reviewed from Monday 13 June. New sales of any remaining season tickets to supporters on the MyJares waiting list will then begin from Monday 27 June. In both instances, successful supporters will be contacted by email. Report by Chris Jack, Evening Times Sport, June 8, Celtic Eye Move for Seagrist. Report by Aidan Smith, Celtic could look to out-of-contract and de-united goalkeeper Benjamin Seagrist this summer, according to a report. The 30-year-old will move on from Tannadice this transfer window and a number of clubs have already been credited with an interest. Rangers were previously linked with his signature, while some reports stated that Manchester United were also monitoring his situation. The Daily Mail now state that Ange Postecoglou's Celtic have Seagrest on a list of possible backup goalkeeping options. The Hoops are looking for a goalkeeper after Vasilis Barkas exited the club on loan to Dutch side Utrecht for the season ahead. Barkas signed for £5 million from AEK Athens in 2020 as Neil Lennon moved to replace Fraser Forster. Things have not worked out for the keeper with a series of high-profile errors in his debut season, costing him his place in the side. Seagrest, on the other hand, has been in top form for United and the terrors were keen for him to stay but could not agree on a deal. Joe Hart is the current first choice at Parkhead, with Scott Bain as his deputy. Connor Hazard is also still on the books, but likely to head out on loan this summer. Report by Aidan Smith Evening Times Sport June 8. Fans who were victims of crime at Champions League can now file complaints. Fans who were victims of crime at last month's Champions League final have been offered the opportunity to file complaints by the French authorities. There have been numerous accounts of supporters being attacked by gangs of local youth as they walked back to coaches, metro, and railway stations close to the Stade de France following Liverpool's 1-0 defeat to Real Madrid. The wife of former Liverpool defender Jason McAteer, Lucy and son Harry were assaulted and robbed as they left the stadium and there are countless other similar stories from fans who were ambushed after attending the match. Now anyone who was a victim of crime 
can lodge their complaint via an online forum. A statement on the website of the French Embassy in London says, From 6 June 2022, foreign nationals who were victims of crime during the Champions League final on 28 and 29 May can file a complaint to the French judicial authorities. These temporary arrangements reflect the French government's wish to give foreign nationals the opportunity to get in direct contact with the French judicial authorities regarding crimes of which they believe they were victims during the event. Investigations are underway into the handling of security around the final after thousands of fans were trapped outside the Stade de France before kickoff, which was delayed for more than half an hour due to problems with checking fake tickets. UEFA announced last week it had launched an independent review into the access issues that led to supporters being crushed and tear-gassed. European football's governing body also apologised to all spectators who had to experience or witness frightening and distressing events in the build-up to the final. Sports Minister Nigel Huddleston met with his French counterpart on Tuesday, the PA news agency understands. The meeting was arranged to find out how the French government will respond to the fallout of last month's final and it started with the French apologising for the events. Both sports ministers agreed dialogue would continue between the two countries alongside the other relevant authorities to get to the bottom of the issues at Stade de France. Evening Times Sport, June 8. Former Rangers defender lands new job in Athens after retiring. Report by Connor Steele. Bruno Alves has landed a non-playing role at former club AEK Athens just one day after announcing his retirement as a player. The former Rangers man will not be coming back to Ibrox, but will instead return to his former club in Greece as their sporting director. The defender enjoyed a successful loan stint at the Greek outfit two years prior to flopping under Pedro Caxina in Glasgow. The Greek giants confirmed the signing of the 40-year-old in a statement that read, AEK announces that it has reached an agreement with Bruno Alves to take over the position of athletic director of our team from July 1. In his great career, he also played in Zenit St. Petersburg, Fenerbahce, Cagliari, Rangers and Parma, while he hung up his football shoes in Greece as a footballer of Apollon Smyrna. Evening Time Sport, June 8. Rangers keeper Robbie McCrory could move on this summer. Report by Aidan Smith. Cammy Bell has urged Robbie McCrory to have a long and hard think about his future this summer. The Rangers goalkeeper made just two appearances for the Ibrox outfit last term, as he was utilised as a backup to Alan McGregor 
and John McLaughlin. Previously to last term, McCrory spent the campaign on loan at Livingston, where he earned some much-needed first-team minutes. Bell now believes the Scotland Youth International is at a crossroads in his career, and he has urged the 24-year-old to seek assurances from the club or move on. He told the Scottish Sun, Last season was not great, as Robbie did not get a lot of football. I would always encourage him to stay with Rangers, but I understand that he needs to be playing to progress. Even if Alan stays or goes, then Robbie has to go to the club and ask whether they still see him as a number one in the future. If they do, then that's great, but he still has to be playing. He is much better than being the number three at a huge club. It will be a tough conversation, and a lot will depend on how Rangers see Robbie's future. They might decide he is not what they need, but Robbie wouldn't be short of offers. Plenty of clubs would be keen to get him if his future is not at Ibrox. Robbie was brilliant in the two massive games, and he handled the occasion and showed his temperament. I never doubted he'd be able to step up, and it gave him a taste of it, but he will want more. For me though, you need to play 15 to 20 games in a row to get a real picture of what it is like to be the Rangers number one. I think Alan has shown how it is done over the years. While I don't think John has had that run in his time with the club. It's only when you are playing at the top level like Rangers, when you are judged by the number of mistakes you make. If you are at another club and make 10 saves and then make a mistake, no one minds as you have produced those other stops. But at Rangers, if you make a mistake, people do not forget it and you are under scrutiny and pressure. You have to be able to handle that. Robbie does not want his career to stagnate, and it's not gone down the path he'd have wanted. He has a big decision to make this summer. Report by Aidan Smith. Evening Times Sport, June 8. Ross County star goes off to Europe in shock move. Report by Connor Steele. Regan Charles Cook has left Ross County to join Belgian top flight side KAS Upen. Having narrowly missed out on a fifth place finish and a chance of European football, the league's joint top goalscorer of last season has left Dingwall for pastures new. After scoring so many in Scotland, County did everything in their power to tie the 25-year-old down, but they failed to come to an agreement and he now departs on a free. Several clubs were rumoured to have interest in the Grenadine International as his contract ticked down, including fellow Scottish clubs Hibs and Hearts. The competition was brushed aside though by KAS Upen who finished 15th in the league last season. The winger moved to the Global Energy Stadium in 2020 from Gillingham, and prior to that he was at Charlton Athletic 
and Arsenal's Youth Academy. The 13-goal man moves to the Belgian First Division on a three-year contract. Ross County confirmed his departure, saying we wish him all the very best as he moves on following the expiry of his contract here in Dingwall. He has been a fantastic player for Ross County and one that will always be fondly remembered at the Global Energy Stadium. Evening Times Sport, June 8. Steve Clark on his dad's illness and perspective over Scotland World Cup misery. Report by Graeme McGarry. Perspective can be hard to come by in football management, and particularly when the hopes and dreams of an entire country rest upon your shoulders. But every so often, even those at the top of the game are reminded of just what is really important. Steve Clark was devastated, of course, after Scotland's defeat to Ukraine that ended the nation's hopes of making it to the World Cup in Qatar, just as much as any member of the Tartan Army. But visiting his dad, Eddie, who is suffering from dementia after the game, brought home to him that the defeat did not, in fact, represent the end of the world. Clark has spoken in the past of how his father was his inspiration to pursue a career in football. He was once a highly regarded amateur player in Ayrshire before a car accident stopped him from reaching his full potential. So, while the players and supporters licked their wounds, Clark went back to see the man who started him out on his path in the first place and reset himself to once again go out and make him proud. Said Clark, I went to see my dad. He's in hospital and not very well. That puts everything into perspective. He's brilliant, but he doesn't know what's happening. He doesn't know the game. He doesn't know how we played. He doesn't know how we got beaten. That's just the way it is. It's tough. It was tough. But it puts everything into perspective for me. Perhaps it was that reminder about priorities that makes it so easy for Clark to quickly move on to his next assignment, which is to take Scotland to the European Championships in Germany in two years' time. Unlike many in Scotland, he watched the playoff final between Wales and the Ukraine, but instead of being left with a feeling of what if, he came away from the match invigorated for the challenge of taking on the Ukrainians once more later in the year. He had plenty to say on the injustice of the winner of his own semi-final having to play the final so soon, when Wales had the luxury of fielding a second string in their nation's league against Poland. When asked if he would dwell on the disappointment of the defeat last week, Clark said, no, because it's gone. I think sometimes maybe you guys don't realise how quickly you have to move on in professional sport. You just have to move on. That one's gone. There is no point looking back and looking back and thinking, what if? It's gone. Move on. 
I watched the Wales game. It wasn't a hard watch. I felt sorry for Ukraine because they were asked to empty themselves at Hamden. And then three days later, they had to go again. That was a tough task. I'm not so sure UEFA's fair play or sporting integrity was in play for that one. It was tough for Ukraine and I felt for them. But congratulations to Wales. I'm not taking anything away from the Welsh. Ukraine emptied themselves at Hamden. They had to. To have two massive games like that in such a short space of time was difficult for them. They put so much into the Hamden game and I felt for them a little bit. But you have to take your hat off to Wales. They have had another great qualifying campaign and they are going to Qatar. So well done to the Welsh. I am watching it as a game of football because obviously we have Ukraine to play again in September. So I'm looking to see how the Welsh lined up against them and what their tactics were. And I'm taking bits and pieces from that game, which hopefully will help us play better against them in September. Clark said that there will be some changes to his lineup from the team that lost to Ukraine as the Nations League campaign gets underway tonight against Armenia at Hamden, though not wholesale adjustments given the importance of making a winning start in the group. He is mindful though of the need to bleed some of the younger players into his team as soon as he possibly can, so as to have continuity in his squad between qualification campaigns. And he said, it's one of the things I thought about when I came in. I looked at how to build. You can have your core and you can maybe have 15 or 16 players who are for this tournament and even the next one. But after that, they start to get too old and they start to drop out of the reckoning. You need to have people coming through behind. For the younger ones just now, it's more about picking up experience and being around the boys who are playing at a really high level every week and hopefully feeling comfortable in the environment so that when we do ask them to step in and play the odd game here and there, they are able to do that. And hopefully the odd game here and there will become a number of games over a period of time. Then when I transition from one group to the next group, it is hopefully a little bit smoother. We don't want to be 23 years in the doldrums again. I think that's the most important thing. Report by Graeme McGarry. Evening Time Sport, June 9. Carter Vickers on how he once broke his grand's wrist. Report by Connor Steele. Celtic ace Cameron Carter Vickers admitted he once accidentally broke his grandmother's wrist in a back garden kickabout. The Tottenham loanee is wanted on a permanent deal at Celtic Park due to the power and strength he displayed at the back. Speaking in 2016, the defender revealed that his brutish play style is nothing new and his poor gran found that out the hard way. From an archived Spurs article, 
He shared the story of his wonder strike that shattered his gran's wrist. He said, When I was ten or eleven, I was playing with my nan in the back garden. She was in goal. I shot. She stuck out her hand to save it, and she ended up breaking her wrist. We laugh about it now, though. I played a lot in the garden with my mum and nan when I was younger, but not just football. Sometimes we'd be throwing a ball around and playing catch, sometimes a bit of basketball as well. We had a basketball hoop as well as a football net, and we tried all kinds of sports. We were just messing around, really. Report by Connor Steele. Evening Time Sport, June 9. Aberdeen to face weight to secure signing of Celtic defender. Report by Ewan Payne. Aberdeen could be playing a waiting game to sign Liam Scales from Celtic this summer, according to a report. The fullback is a prime target for Jim Goodwin at Pitodre in the transfer window. Earlier reports suggested that the Irishman will look to secure a permanent deal. However, an initial loan move could be on the cards. Now the daily records say that the Dons could be made to wait for the man. It's said that Celtic will not allow Scales to leave the club while they wait on players returning from injury. Goodwin secured his first signing as Aberdeen manager this week with Ilber Ramadan arriving for £100,000. The former St Mirren boss is also looking to reunite with Conor Ronan and Jamie McGrath in the North East. The report states that Ipswich goalkeeper Vaclav Ladke is another target, as well as soon-to-be-out-of-contract Blackburn midfielder Jacob Davenport. Report by Ewan Payton. Evening Times Sport, June 9. Rangers hero Gattuso, appointed manager of Valencia. Report by Connor Steele. Rangers hero Gennaro Gattuso has today been announced as the new head coach of Valencia. Enjoying a highly decorated playing career with AC Milan, the general had a successful one-year spell at Rangers in 1997-98. He now looks to continue his high-profile managerial career of nearly 10 years in Spain, having already managed giants such as Napoli and his beloved Milan. The club confirmed his arrival in a statement that reads, Valencia have reached an agreement with Gennaro Gattuso, who will become the first team coach for the next two seasons until 30th of June 2024. Gennaro Gattuso joins the club following an extensive career both as a player and as a coach. After hanging up his boots, he started his coaching career in 2012, coaching teams like AC Milan and Napoli, with whom he won the Coppa Italia in 2020. Having won the Coppa Italia in his last job, and last season Valencia finishing in ninth place, 11 points beneath a European football finish, 
the club will be looking for the former ranger to use his extensive knowledge of the game to help them push their way up the table. Report by Connor Steele. Evening Times Sport, June 9. Hearts sign Australia International. Report by Ewan Payton. Hearts have agreed to sign Australian international Kai Rolls. The Jambos have this morning confirmed that the terms of the transfer have been agreed, subject to visa approval and international clearance. The defender will join the Tynecastle club on a three-year deal from Central Coast Mariners. The transfer fee will remain undisclosed. The 23-year-old recently won his first full cap for the Australian national team and is viewed as a rising star down under. A statement from Hearts reads, Hearts have agreed the transfer of Australian international player Kai Rolls. Standing six foot three inches tall, the centre-half began his professional career with Brisbane Roar in 2016 before joining Central Coast Mariners a year later. He would go on to rack up 107 appearances for Mariners, helping them to the 2021 Australian FA Cup final. Despite losing 2-1 to Adelaide United, Kai was jointly awarded the Mark Viduka medal for his Man of the Match performance. After picking up the Mariners medal, a combination of fans, coaches and players' votes for Player of the Year, at the end of 2020-21, he would go on to retain the prestigious club award last season after playing his part in getting Mariners to the A-League Finals series, as well as winning the Players' Player of the Year and Coaches' Player of the Year awards. Robbie Nielsen told the official Hearts website, This is an exciting transfer for us and one that everyone has worked really hard to get over the line. Kai has a fantastic reputation in Australia, and his talent has seen him rise to the top of the game. To get another international player in the door is a big coup, and I'm really looking forward to working with him. Hearts is the perfect place for Kai to continue his development, and I believe he is someone who can help improve the team. Sporting Director Joe Savage added, We have obviously had success in the Australian market, so having identified Kai as a target, it was a no-brainer to try and bring him to the club. He's clearly a very talented player, and he has the potential to get even better. I think we have seen that Hearts can provide an environment for players to flourish, which is why Kai has chosen us as the best place to continue his career, despite late attempts from other Scottish clubs to be involved. Kai fits the profile of the player we want to attract to the club, and I have no doubt the fans will take to him, like they have with Cammy Devlin and Nat Atkinson, once he pulls on that maroon jersey. These types of transfers require a lot of work, so I have to thank everyone involved for all of their efforts, and it's full steam ahead in terms of building a squad capable of making a mark 
in both domestic and European football this season. Report by Ewan Payton. Evening Times Sport, June 9. Alex McLeish worried over Morelos and Aribo's contract situations. Report by Ewan Payton. Rangers hero Alex McLeish admits it is worrying that top players such as Joe Aribo and Alfredo Morelos are nearing the end of their contracts. The former manager says his concerns are there because there had been little to no talk of extensions for either player. This could potentially mean that Rangers may have to sell either player for lower than their market valuation. Or in turn, they could face another lengthy wait for a positive outcome like Connor Goldson. McLeish told Football Insider, It is a little bit worrying when contracts are running so close to finalising. We all talk about the coming months and it's something Rangers have to deal with. Whether they feel the need to bring some money in and somebody goes for a big fee, like Calvin Bassey, there's been talk about him. That helps Giovanni bring his players in as well. The ones he feels are at the top quality. He won't want them to go. I'm sure the strategy won't be to allow the contracts to run down. I'm sure there will be talks galore in the coming days, weeks and months. Sometimes it can go right to the wire, as we've seen with Connor Goldson. That is the wee dilemma that intrigues the football world, especially the Rangers fans. Report by Ewan Payton. Evening Time Sport, June 9. Rangers not interested in Stoke City left-back. Report by Ewan Payton. Rangers are not interested in signing Josh Tymon this summer. It is the Rangers Review's understanding that the Stoke City defender is not on the club's radar for the upcoming window. Reports earlier this week suggested that Tymon was on Giovanni van Brockhurst's wish list this summer. However, it is now believed that the Ibrox club are not in the market for a left-back and that rules out a move for the 23-year-old. Calvin Bassey and Borna Barisic remain Rangers' first-team options for the left-back position. Both players have been linked with moves away from Ibrox, but no bids have been received so far. Rangers' only summer business to date was securing the signing of John Souter, the centre-back agreed a pre-contract with the club back in January, with his deal at Hearts expiring at the end of last season. Connor Goldson and Stephen Davis have also agreed contract extensions to remain at Ibrox. Report by Ewan Payton. Evening Times Sport, June 9. Rangers receive gift from UEFA. Report by Ewan Payton. Rangers have received a special gift from UEFA to mark the club's 150th anniversary. The club were honoured last night with a celebratory reception by the Scotland office to mark the club's special anniversary. Alistair Jack, Secretary of State for Scotland, 
had invited the Ibrox Club to a special event at Dover House in Whitehall. Former Rangers players plus staff and directors were in attendance, including Alex McLeish. And at the ceremony, Rangers revealed a commemorative gift the club had received from UEFA President Alexander Seferm. A blue pennant was sent to the Ibrox Club with the UEFA logo on it. The message on it reads, UEFA compliments Rangers FC on the occasion of the club's 150th anniversary. Alexander Seferm, UEFA President, 8 June 2022. A statement on the Rangers website read about the reception from the Scotland office and said, Rangers are honoured with the celebrity reception from the UK government at the Scotland office to mark the 150th anniversary of the club. Hosted by the Secretary of State for Scotland, the Right Honourable Alistair Jack, the event at Dilver House Whitehall was attended by directors, staff, former players and a host of invited guests and is another prestigious moment in this special year for the club. Also in attendance was the Scottish Cup, with the Light Blues having won football's oldest trophy for the first time in 13 years just over a fortnight ago at Hamden, when they defeated Hearts 2-0. Rangers Managing Director Stuart Robertson said, We are very honoured and grateful to have been invited by the Secretary of State for Scotland to this very special event to mark the 150th anniversary of Rangers Football Club. I believe it speaks volumes for the contribution Rangers has made to our nation in a positive sense over these years that the club is being recognised in this manner and we look forward to promoting the good name of Rangers even further to invited guests from across the political spectrum as well as the wider society. Report by Ewan Payton. Evening Time Sport, June 9. Scotland cap Paul McGinn reportedly headed out of the Hibs. Report by Ewan Payton. Paul McGinn is reportedly headed for the Hibs exit door just one week after sealing a new deal. The right-back agreed a contract extension with the Easter Road Club last week. However, the Scottish Sun say that the former St Mirren, Dundee and Patrick Thistle fullback is not part of new manager Lee Johnson's plans. The 31-year-old was a key player for the Edinburgh outfit last term, making 34 appearances in all competitions. This is said to have automatically triggered a contract extension for the season ahead. But Johnson is keen to bring in his own players and would therefore be willing to listen to offers for the experienced right back this summer. He has told the Scotland cap that he cannot guarantee first team football. Report by Ewan Payton. Evening Time Sport, June 10. Celtic declare interest in Brazilian midfielder. Report by Ewan Payton. 
Celtic are pursuing a loan move for talented Brazilian midfielder Vinicius Souza, according to a report. The 22-year-old is partly owned by the worldwide-renowned City Football Group, the organisation behind Manchester City. Souza is contracted to Belgian outfit Lommel SK, which is owned by the group. He spent last season on loan at KV Mechelen, where he impressed, making over 30 appearances in all competitions. The Daily Mail say that Celtic are a number of clubs who have declared interest in the midfielder. Other sides who are keen are said to include Bologna, Club Bruges and Senna Bache. Postecoglou was formerly part of the City Group, along with the club's head of recruitment, Mark Lowell. Midfielders are certainly on the summer wish list for the Scottish champions, having released Tom Rogic and Nerb Bitten at the end of last term. The Mail also say that Kevin Nadorum from Metz is also on the Hoops radar. Report by Ewan Payton Evening Times Sport, June 10 Age was no barrier to Curtis Cup glory for Bell of the Dimpled Ball Game. Report by Nick Roger Are you scunnered by the coverage of the Saudi-backed LIV Golf Invitational event? and all its associated palavers. Yes? Well, that's good to know, because for the next 700 or so words, you can escape all that money-soaked kerfuffle and reflect on a more wholesome golfing occasion. Back in 1986, the good ladies of the Great Britain and Ireland Curtis Cup team managed to achieve a feat that was bigger than some of the cheques being dished out down at the Centurion Club when they won on American turf for the first time in the biennial bouts history. No other Great Britain and Ireland side has managed to replicate that effort since, but the current crop, which includes the Scottish pair of Louise Duncan and Hannah Darling, will have another go at it this weekend when the transatlantic tussle takes place at storied Merion in Pennsylvania. Things have changed a bit since 1986. Bell Robertson, the celebrated and decorated Dunaberti golfer, is well aware of that. I think the oldest player competing this time will be only 23 or something, suggested the sprightly 86-year-old. Robertson was pretty close with her estimation. It's actually 22. She gasped with a reflective chuckle. I was 50 when I played in 1986. The idea of a 50-year-old playing these days is ridiculous. Robertson may have reached her half-century when she made her seventh and final playing appearance in the Curtis Cup at Prairie Dunes in Kansas 36 years ago, but those advancing years were certainly no barrier to success. She won both the Scottish Women's Match Play 
and Stroke played titles that season, and an historic 13-5 victory in the Curtis Cup was the icing on the cake for Robertson, having suffered six losses as a player and two as non-playing captain since a debut way back in 1960. We had a wonderful team, a great mix of youth and experience, and it was an utter joy, added Robertson, with the kind of glowing sense of nostalgia that should have been accompanied by a tune from a colliery brass brand. The young ones would come into the team room for breakfast and say, it's very quiet, and before you knew it, the radio was on, the TV was on, and the noise was blaring. They made you feel young again. You laughed with them. They gave you respect, but a bit of cheek too, and you would do the same. It was a lovely mix. The mix of players was not the only special concoction in the Great Britain and Ireland armoury that week. Recalled Robertson, it was so hot in Kansas, and in her preparations our captain Diane Bailey had a long chat with the England football manager Bobby Robson about a drink they used during that year's World Cup in Mexico. It was a mix that helped combat all the salt you lost when you were sweating. The United States players said it was our special medicine. Great Britain and Ireland certainly put in a special performance. Robertson and her playing partner, the Irish great Mary McKenna, aided the cause with a win and a half from their two foursome matches as Great Britain and Ireland eased to a mighty conquest. I hold a putt of some 20 feet to grab a half on that second day, and the captain came up and said, Will I let you go out on a high? said Robertson, about sitting out the single session. I said, I'd be delighted. I would have struggled to have played a singles match straight away. I walked around watching in the afternoon and almost felt embarrassed for the Americans as we were so far ahead. An indefatigable campaigner, Robertson was the non-playing Great Britain and Ireland Curtis Cup skipper in both 1974 and 1976. She stated, but I always preferred playing in it. When I was captain, one of the young girls came up to me the day before it started and said, I'm awfully frightened I let you down. I said to her, I'm terrified I let you all down with my decisions. It was much better being a player. In 1986, Robertson was back on the front line and competing with wonderful aplomb. The whole team just clicked, she said. Hopefully, a new generation of Great Britain and Ireland golfers can find a winning formula on United States soil this weekend, says Nick Roger. Evening Times Sport, June 10. Martin O'Neill, still missing Glasgow. Report by James Kearney. 
Martin O'Neill's stint as Celtic manager may have ended almost two decades ago, but the former Parkhead boss admits that he still looks forward to returning to Glasgow whenever the opportunity arises. The 70-year-old enjoyed a fruitful five-year stint in the city's East End at the turn of the century and is still held in high regard by supporters following his successes at Celtic. O'Neill's career took him and his family to Aston Villa, Sunderland, the Republic of Ireland and Nottingham Forest in his years after leaving Scotland, but the Northern Irishman insists there is nowhere else quite like Glasgow. He said, I've honestly missed it so much. Seriously, my wife, who hated every place she'd been to in her life, absolutely loved it in Scotland. If she ever goes to heaven, which she won't, she'd complain about that as well. But she loved it here, and I was the same. It was great. You'd wake up and look out the window and not know if it was June or October. But that didn't matter to us coming from Northern Ireland. The occasional trip to watch Celtic has lifted O'Neill's spirits and reminded him of his glory days as the man at the helm of the Parkhead Club. Although his children appear to be more enthralled with the team's current manager, Ange Postecoglou, than their dad. Said O'Neill, I came up to do the Motherwell game with Stilly and Petrov, and the atmosphere and the singing, it brings it all back to you. I had great days, the torch is past, the manager is going great, and it all looks rosy. I did five years, it was like five minutes, I do miss it, absolutely. You will always do that. I think the dying breath will be, was there a game on Saturday? I have two daughters and one of them is now a bigger Celtic fan than when I was manager, which is a major disappointment to me. She's running around, Ange, Ange, Ange. She's got a three-year-old who is in front of the TV shouting, come on Celtic. Report by James Kearney, Evening Times Sport, June 10. Michael McKenna, star man in Championship Team of the Season. Report by Connor Steele. Arbroath Michael McKenna has been named star man as the Singe Championship Team of the Season is revealed. Despite falling short of the league title, the part-time Arbroath outfit had a season they will never forget and put in some spectacular performances. McKenna's 15 goals and 8 assists after being pushed higher up the park from midfield to attack bagged him individual accolades from both Singe and the PFA and he has been named in the team of the season alongside teammates Ricky Little and Thomas O'Brien. The centre-half pairing were the beating heart of the surprising rise of Dick Campbell's side, keeping an impressive number of clean sheets and rightfully being named two of the best defenders in the league. 
third place Inverness take two spots in the team, again two defenders. Left centre-back Robbie Diaz gets a place and has been incredible at just 22 years old, an ever-present aerial presence with good ball-playing ability to match. David Carson blossomed into one of the league's top right-backs despite being a natural midfielder thanks to his never-stop attitude of running and pressing but Inverness unfortunately fell just short in the playoff final. Fourth-placed Partick Thistle also have two players selected in the team. One is Scott Tiffany, a wide attacker midfielder whose trickery, dribbling and positioning make him a constant threat, an exciting one to watch and the first name on Ian McCall's team sheet. The other is Brian Graham, who at 34 years old was the Jags' top goalscorer of the season, and despite a blip in form towards the latter half of the season, he will be a crucial part of next season's efforts and is a fan favourite player. League champions Kilmarnock fill the remaining four spaces. Midfielders Fraser Murray and Rory McKenzie claim spots thanks to their consistent ability to create attacking scenarios from the central third, sometimes seemingly from nothing. Kelly's Zach Hemming takes the sole goalkeeper position due to his 95 saves and 15 clean sheets, having played in every single game in the season. But unfortunately for the fans, he was only on a season-long loan, with no news as of yet to a further deal. The final player is experienced striker Kyle Lafferty. Despite only signing in the winter window, he played a crucial role in winning the league title, with 10 goal contributions in 18 appearances. At the same age as Brian Graham, the Northern Irishman is still tearing apart defenders so late in his career. Report by Connor Steele Evening Times Sport, June 10 Kenny Miller urges Rangers to bid for Seagrist. Report by James Kearney Former Rangers striker Kenny Miller has urged his old club to make a move for Swiss goalkeeper Benjamin Seagrist. The 30-year-old is a free agent after letting his contract run down at Dundee United after four successful years at Tannadice. Celtic are said to be weighing up a move for the short stopper, but with Ibrox number one Alan McGregor's future up in the air, the former Scotland international believes that the Govan outfit should make the keeper an offer of their own. Miller told Clyde One Super Scoreboard, I think it's a good option on a free transfer. I think it was mooted last summer that Celtic were going to go for Seagriff as a potential number one, and obviously they went and got Joe Hart. He has been an outstanding performer in the league for a few seasons now. On a free transfer, 
it would be very good business, and we don't know what's going on with McGregor. Rangers or a Celtic should be looking at him on a free transfer. Absolutely. Seagrist would likely serve as understudy to Hart if the keeper opts for a move to Celtic Park, but Miller reckons that might not be the worst thing for Seagrist's development. He explained, It might be a case that he works with a keeper of Hart's quality for a season. The one thing when you come to a Rangers or a Celtic from a smaller club in Scotland, a Hearts, a Hibs or a Dundee United, you need to move again. You need to move and show you are better than the guys that are already there. Unfortunately for a goalkeeper, there is only one spot. Maybe Celtic are looking at in terms of a succession plan and they are thinking maybe Joe will go at the end of the season. They will want someone in the building who is capable and Seagrass ticks those boxes. Report by James Kearney Evening Time Sport June 13 Kelvin Bassey deletes cryptic Wolves training ground snap Report by Aidan Smith Calvin Bassey has swiftly deleted an Instagram check-in post from Wolves training ground amid transfer speculation linking the Rangers defender with a move down south. The former Leicester man was a key performer for the Ibrox outfit last term as they made it all the way to the Europa League final while also lifting the Scottish Cup. Bassey's performances have resulted in transfer speculation linking him with a big money move down south and Stephen Gerrard's Aston Villa have been heavily linked. Rangers fans are desperate for the 22-year-old to stick around at Ibrox and they were given a fright this morning when he shared a picture from Wolverhampton Wanderers training ground. He posted his location on his Instagram story and thanked a luxury chauffeur company for their service. Bassey is meant to be on international duty with Nigeria and they are set to be in action today against Seo Tommy and Principe in an African Cup of Nations qualifier. The post was quickly deleted by Bassey, but fans had already screenshotted the picture. It is understood that Rangers would be holding out for a fee of around £25 million if Bassey was to be sold this transfer window. Report by Aidan Smith Evening Times Sport June 13 Celtic in two-horse race to sign Brazilian Report by Ewan Payton Celtic are reportedly in a two-horse race to sign Brazilian midfielder Vinicius Souza. The 22-year-old has been linked with a move to Parkhead since the start of the transfer window on Friday. Talks between Ange Postecoglou's side and Belgian outfit Mechelen are said to already be underway. It has been claimed that the player has several offers on the table. Now Tacvim report that Celtic are involved in a straight two-horse race with Fenerbahce for Sousa. The Turkish giants are believed to be after a permanent deal 
with the Hoops more keen on an initial loan with a view to buy in the future. Report by Ewan Payton. Evening Times Sport. June 13. Alex Ferguson says Dick Campbell should have landed Manager of the Year award. Report by Aidan Smith. Sir Alex Ferguson believes Arbroath boss Dick Campbell should have landed the Manager of the Year award ahead of Ange Postecoglou. The Celtic manager scooped the Scottish Football Writers Award and the PFA Gong after winning the Premiership title with the Hoops. But Sir Alex reckons Campbell's promotion push with part-time Arbroath was more of an achievement. The legendary Manchester United boss recorded a video message for his old pal ahead of the Evening with Dick Campbell show at Glasgow's St Luke's venue. He said, Dick, in tribute to you tonight, in front of a great audience, Tom Callaghan has been asking questions about you. I could give a few myself, but I don't want to embarrass you tonight. What a great season you've had, Dick. I said when I was told you the other day, you should have been manager of the year. Arbroath narrowly missed out on promotion to the Scottish Premiership after finishing just two points behind Kilmarnock. Report by Aidan Smith. Evening Times Sport, June 13. Rangers Pair Scoop Nigeria Awards. Report by Ewan Payton. Rangers stars Calvin Bassey and Joe Aribo have been recognised by Nigeria for their impressive form over the past season. The Rangers pair were among the winners at the national team's annual Ballers Awards. Vasi has become a pivotal cog in Van Bronckhurst's Rangers starting eleven, putting in a series of man-of-the-match performances, including in the Europa League final against Eintracht Frankfurt. This has led to serious transfer interest this summer, with a handful of Premier League sides said to be interested in the 22-year-old. And with his rise to prominence, Vasi was awarded with the Revelation of the Year gong at the Nigerian ceremony on Saturday night. His club and international teammate Aribo was named Nigeria's Midfielder of the Year. Both players are currently away with their country on international duty in the latest round of fixtures. They will return to Rangers for pre-season at the end of this month, ahead of another big season. Report by Ewan Payton. Evening Times Sport, June 13. When are the 2022-23 fixtures announced? Report by Ewan Payton. The summer may only have just started, but the excitement for the new football season is already ramping up. Some may feel that last season has only just finished, but football never stops for long, and soon clubs up and down the country will discover their full fixture list for the 2022-23 campaign. The season begins slightly earlier than usual at the end of July due to the World Cup in Qatar later this year.
so clubs will be returning for pre-season sooner rather than later as they gear up for another big year ahead. Here are the details you need to know about when the upcoming fixtures are announced. These fixtures, the SPFL fixtures for the 2022-23 season, will be announced by the SPL and computer-generated on Friday, June 17. The release time will be 9am. The new league campaign will get underway on the weekend of July 30-31. Fixtures will be subject to change once TV picks have been announced, as well as European games. Report by Ewan Payton Evening Time Sport June 13 Steve Clark admits Scotland need a victory in Armenia Report by Matthew Lindsay Steve Clark has admitted that Scotland need to respond to their mauling by the Republic of Ireland with a Nations League victory over Armenia even if it means winning ugly. Clark's side were thrashed 3-0 by Stephen Kenny's team in the second Group B1 match at the Aviva Stadium in Dublin on Saturday. The national team, who were booed off the park by their own supporters following the heavy loss, face a difficult away game in Yerevan tomorrow evening. If they suffer a second consecutive loss, it will seriously damage their chances of topping their section and securing a Euro 2024 playoff place. Clark, who will come under increased pressure from the Tartan army if Scotland are beaten again, has confessed his players must put the humiliation behind them, even if they have to grind out a triumph. He said, we have to win in Armenia. It's that simple now, and it might be an ugly one, or might be a pretty one, but we need to win. Must wins are not really in my vocabulary, but we have to bounce back from what's been another disappointment. But I back these players 100%. I back them 100% because they've been fantastic for the country. The result and the performance? No, nobody could see it coming. They just have to dig in now and get a result in Armenia on Tuesday night. It's just about getting a win. Asked if he thought the Qatar 2022 playoff semi-final defeat to Ukraine earlier this month had knocked his players' confidence after an eight-game unbeaten run. Clark said, I don't think so. I really don't. I felt the game last Wednesday when they beat Armenia 2-0 was a good game for them because they were able to dominate possession. Ireland got about us and we couldn't handle it for some reason. So that's what I need to go away and look at. Ireland were good and I said that to Stephen Kenny after the game. For me, the biggest thing is that we had disappointment and then did okay and then it's disappointment again. I have to analyse that and find out why that happened. It's two big blows 
But sometimes life isn't always nice all the time and straightforward. We'll come back. Clark has dismissed suggestions that he made mistakes with his team selection at the weekend and stressed that he will not pay attention to any criticism that is aimed in his direction. He said, people can pull it apart if they want. If they think that's what was wrong with the game, then I would suggest that maybe they're not right. I won't hear it and I won't read it. Meanwhile, Clark has denied that he snubbed the Travelling Scotland supporters by remaining in his technical area after the final whistle on Saturday. He said, I don't usually go to the fans. At Hamden, I never go out and do any walk of honour or anything like that. I have only done it occasionally in away games, but I wanted it to be at the side of the pitch to be with my players coming off. I've been low before. I've been low before and I never categorise highs and lows. It was a real disappointing day for us, but I've had plenty of those in my career. Report by Matthew Lindsay. And that was this week's Glasgow Times Sport podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening.